excited for what is going to happen later on today and just, just excited about all the good things that are to come uh, throughout this day. But it's been an incredibly hard week for us um, here in the church. Uh, we suffered the loss of one of our church members, uh, Michael. Uh, he went to be with the Lord yesterday or uh, earlier in the morning yesterday. And so um, we were kind of shooken up about that. But Jesus said this. I want to offer this to, uh, to Carrie uh, this morning. Uh, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. And so for the family of Michael, for Carrie, his spouse, and for just the whole church, if you knew Michael, you were close to him, um, come to the Lord, all who are weary, and he will give you rest. And this is where we find our rest. As Christians, this is where we find our rest. Not in the church building, but in the people of the church. The church is the people in the presence of Jesus and his bride, the church. Not just the building, but the actual people. Guys, we are the church. Amen? We are the church. And and today we're going to be talking a little bit more about that as we continue our message series called We Are the Church. You like how I did that there? It just kind of flows. It's all good. And today we're going to unpack the mission and the vision of Impact City Church. If you haven't heard it before, you're going to hear it today. If you heard it before, you're going to hear it again. But it's the mission and the vision of Impact City as well as looking into a little bit of prayer and what prayer is and how, how should we be praying and what should we be praying for as well as what baptism is and, and what the importance of that in our lives means to us. Which, by the way... We're going to be baptizing this afternoon um, and after service. So if you want to stick around for that, it's going to be incredible. Uh, we're going to pray that the rain stays away. And those of you who are getting baptized, you might be actually baptized before you get into the tank. And so that's going to be okay. Uh, we have a, a tarp out there so families can go out there and, and see them getting baptized without getting soaking wet. And so we got that going on too. The other thing we got going on today is if y'all would please look in the back side of Marco. Marco is a professional, professional photographer. We were building up a new website, and I asked him to come over and kind of take some pictures of preaching and worship and the baptisms and stuff. So if you see him kind of squat down here next to me, don't freak out. He's just taking a picture, okay? He's not trying to assassinate me or anything like that. And so, you know, he looks like he could. But um, I have shot many guns with Marco, and we have had a, a great time out in the woods uh, killing things. And so it's been a great, he's a good friend of mine. And so he's a good friend of Moses. Do you remember Moses, the turkey caller? Um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. And so, yeah. So anyway, stick with us to, after this, baptizing and barbecue to follow. Uh, Mike and Wayne have been back there barbecuing, setting up. They've been working their butts off. It's going to be great. So if you have your Bibles, um, open them up to the, uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 58. is where we're going to be at today. Uh, Isaiah 58. We're going to be camped out there for a little bit. Then we're going to be in the book of Acts. Your fingers are going to get a lot of exercise today. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. So Isaiah 58 is where we'll start. If you don't have a Bible, uh, look under your chair. There should be one around you in the vicinity somewhere. Uh, that is our gift to you. You can feel free to take that home with you. Um, also, uh, you can look on the screen behind me. We'll have some of the scriptures back there. But the best place is probably go on the Facebook and uh, look at the scriptures right there on our Facebook page. So facebook.com backslash Impact City Church. And while you're there, go ahead and check in. Uh, share the page with your friends. Tell them that there's a guy uh, fixing the barbecue and baptize people today at church. And so that'll be kind of cool. All right, so we started last week uh, with this series called We Are the Church. And we said that by the end of the series, by the end of this, this sermon series, you will actually understand 
who we are as a church. And the goal of this was by the end of this series that you would have a clear understanding of who we are as Impact City Church and you would be able to sign an ownership covenant saying that I am committed to the church. You will know what we believe. You will know what we stand for. You will know what we do and we will know how we live and operate as a church body in the city of Corpus Christi, Texas and throughout the world and the nations really. Uh, It is important because because it identifies who we are as Christians as well. Who we are as a church identifies who we are as Christians as well. We are, uh, who we are as a church body should actually mirror exactly who we are as Christians. So as your pastor, whenever we planted Impact City Church, that was my intent. I wanted a church that acted like the way we should be living. Because many times we go to church and we, we go to church and we act a certain way and then we leave church and we act a different way. And I just wanted to just kind of erase all the barriers, tear them all down and say that when you go to church and when you are the church, that's the way you're going to live. And that's the way you're going to act throughout the week and throughout the, the whole time. And so church for us is not on Sunday mornings. Church for us is 365 days a year, 177 hours a week, life on life together. That's what church is for us. We don't discriminate and say, well, we only come to church on Sundays. No, we are the church. We gather weekly in homes. We gather at, at, at the taqueria. I don't know where John Carter got the healthy food part from, but there's nothing healthy about We We try, which means we show up, you know? And so uh, we go there. We, we get corn tortillas. That's right. We get corn tortillas because that's so much better, you know? And so... And we do that. So as we, who we are as a church is who we are throughout the week. And here at Impact City Church, we find that our mission and our vision is best defined out of a few chapters here in the book of Isaiah. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, we'll go ahead and start reading here in verse 10. Isaiah 58, verse 10. The prophet Isaiah is talking to Israel and he's saying this. This is coming from God through the prophet Isaiah. And he says, if you pour yourself out for the hungry... If you satisfy the desire of the afflicted, and then your light shall rise in the darkness. It says, and your gloom will be as noon day. I mean, it's going to be bright. It's going to be known. Verse 11 says, and the Lord will guide you continually. He will satisfy your desires in a sun-scorched place, and he will make your bones strong. And you shall be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Verse 12 and your ancient ruin shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, which means walls, the repairer of the walls, and the restorers of streets to dwell in. Church, as, as we were planting the church, we wanted a name that signified and captured our vision, and that's why we are called rebuilders of walls, restorers of streets. Now, what it basically cuts down to, what it means is that we will, as a church, we want to rebuild the city, the walls of our city, the actual ruined places of our town, the broken parts of the neighborhoods, the, 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 you know, the the crack houses and all the, 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 the just the trashy places that are, that are in the city. We want to reclaim those parts of the city. But no, more than that, we want to meet the physical needs of the city. But we also want to meet the spiritual needs of our city. Which is why we say we will restore the streets. That word street in the ancient Greek actually translates to your walk with God. And so what the scripture says is that we are going to rebuild the spiritual and physical needs of our city. 
that we're not only going to be a church that meets and gathers on Sundays and simply is self-contained and self-serving, but we're going to be a church that is outgoing and outreaching and being the church every day of the week where we are rebuilding the walls and restoring the streets of Corpus Christi. Amen? Yeah, that doesn't pump you up. I don't know what will. Jesus is alive. I mean, come on. This statement wraps up our vision and mission so well. And our vision is this, that we are to greatly impact Corpus Christi so much with the love of Jesus that the city as a whole sees a positive change. That's our vision. That's simple. Whenever I was planning the church, someone asked me, what's your targeted area? And I took a pencil and I drew a circle around Corpus Christi and I said, right there, buddy. He's like, oh man, cut it down to like five blocks and start there and then work your way out, you know? But that was basically it. We wanted to impact Corpus Christi so much. We wanted to be a church that was so loud, that was so involved, so intertwined in the fabric of Corpus Christi that the city as a whole would see positive change. You're like, wow, Felix, that's a really huge task. Like that's almost, it's ginormous, it's impossible. How do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked how we do that. This is how we're going to do it. Our mission says that we're going to do it by living in biblical community where we meet the physical and spiritual needs of the people of our great city. How are we going to meet the needs of the city? Through living in biblical community. This is where we tore down the barriers. Just like the guy in the back was saying he had a hardened heart in church. Over years and years and years, you go to church and you get secluded. No, we break those barriers down. We desire for everyone in this church to be connected to someone else in the church. To be connected to a group of people, even if it's through just Facebook posts throughout the week, if it's through dinner at someone's house, it's through maybe watching someone's kids. We have a family that does kids swap all the time here. That's awesome. I wish I could get a part of that. You know, like we got to, like, this is what we do. You know, it's just who, what we do. Look me up next week. I need a date night with Sarah. We want everyone to experience this in the church. This is the church where we say that you got to be involved. And we, we make you involved by giving you tons of options to get connected here. And we know that, that this is the way that we're going to change this city. We know that. It's not going to be through a mass evangelism. We're not going to be through a mass, you know, you know Billy Graham evangelistic, you know, party one day at, at, at the beach. It's not going to be like that. Those are great, but that's not the way God instructed us to do this. He has instructed us to live in biblical community, and we know it's going to work because we see it work time and time again in the Bible. Jesus lived with 12 dudes and their families for three years straight. This dude ate dinners with these guys. This dude went fishing with these dudes. He went on mission trips with these guys. They had family time together. The disciples, I don't know if y'all knew this, but they had families. They had wives and children. It wasn't just Jesus and the 12. It was Jesus, the 12, and here comes all their families. And if you're Hispanic, it was like a lot of people that came along with you. you know? It was all these people that would just follow along and be there. That is community. Jesus showed us community in the way that he dealt with his disciples. But not only that, but you see it in the way that when Jesus was ascended up into heaven, when he left the disciples, they continued. They didn't just be like, oh, well, shoot, Jesus is gone. Let's go back and do what we want to do. Peter went back and started fishing, all right? But Jesus came back and redeemed him. But, but, like, but they actually kept going and doing more and more missional, biblical living together and being in community. We saw this. They continued it. And what I want to do today is I want to peel back the layers of what we believe church is. I want to peel those layers back. I want us to take a peek into what the first church looked like. 
the very first church to ever start uh, back in the day, I want us to look at that church, and I want us to look at it closely. The way that God originally intended church to be. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. As you guys are turning there, I want us to uh, I want us to try and exercise with me. Okay, I'm not talking about Zumba. I'm not talking about CrossFit or circuit training or anything that would break your back. I'm talking about a mental and spiritual exercise for me today. I want you all to try something. I want you all to forget what you know about church. Like I want you to peel back every tradition that you've ever known in church. I don't care what background you come from. I don't care if you're Baptist, Pentecostal, non-denominational, Catholic, or even if you're not a, a Christian, if you just know what church is and you think like, oh man, church is like these bunch of weirdo people, just forget that for a while, okay? Just forget about that. Just forget everything you know about church. Forget all the history of the church that you know. I don't want you to be like, well man, back when the Methodists first started the church back, and then, I, don't want, I don't want that. Just erase that for a moment. Set it aside. All the memories you have of church the potluck dinners and the, uh, and the times that, that, oh, that we all would gather. Just forget those for just a moment. I want you to forget everything for just a moment. And as we read about how the first church operated, I want you to ask yourselves this question. Is that how we live our lives? We're going to talk about how the first church operated, and I want you to compare it to yourself. Is that the way that you live your life? Because if there was ever an example of how to do church, it would come from the very first church ever. That's the example to go by. That's the one that was so anointed with the Spirit. That's the one that was the start. That was one that was closest to Jesus. If these guys knew how to do church, you know, if anyone did, it was these guys. These guys had it right. And then from there on, we kind of messed it up and got lost along the way. This is the one. So starting in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. We're going to find the disciples in a large room. The Holy Spirit has descended upon them. Uh, some fire came over their head. They started speaking in crazy languages and tongues and stuff like that. They get all anointed and it gets crazy up in there. Peter stands up and he starts to preach to the crowd. He's all pumped up. You know, Peter, he's a real, you know, he, he kind of looked like Marco, a really kind of husky guy with a beard. And he stands up, sorry, Marco. And he stands up and he starts yelling and preaching to the people there. It's awesome sermon he preaches the gospel to them he preaches them about about how how sinful they really are and how they are the ones that murdered jesus and because of their sin jesus was murdered on the cross and he had to die for that and how the death of jesus was committed and what that meant for them in their lives and then he ends his message with this this awesome line and then boom the church blows up and it starts growing and three thousand people get dunked and it's crazy and so all this happened right here in this room and this is what happens. He, he's preaching. He tells them all this stuff in verse 36 in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. He says this. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know, that certain, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and the Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Like he's saying, like, you guys crucified him. Like it was you, your sin. This guy that you crucified, he was the Christ. Verse 37, it says, now when they heard this, they were, they were cut to the heart. That means they were shaken up so deeply. They were cut 
to the middle of the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And this is what Peter tells them. He says, since you guys are all emotionally messed up, you know that you are in need of a Savior, you know that you are sinful, this is what you need to do. You need to repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord of God, the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who received the word were baptized, and they added to about that number about 3,000 souls. So, like, Peter comes up there, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he's pumped up, he's excited, right? Jesus has just died. He's been risen again. They've been praying. The Holy Spirit comes down. He's dwelling inside them. He's pumped up. He starts preaching. He goes, guys, listen, you know, if you were to repent and be baptized, I know that you understand how, how messed up you are. And it's okay because Jesus came. He died on the cross. And if we were to be a, just repent of your sins and then prove to the world through baptism that you have done this, then you will be saved. And then all these great things will start happening. And it's a promise that is given to you and your children and your children's children and generations to come. If you live like this and if you pass it on down, it's going to extend generations. And he says that and 3,000 people, 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus that day and boom, the church blew up. Many people say, oh, mega churches are not of God. Tell that to the very first church. They broke 3,000 in day one. That's huge. And so they go and they, they, they did 3,000 people get baptized a day. I mean, they were like double dunking in the, in, you know, in the river. Just boom, next, boom, next, boom, you know. And then this happened. Because that's the, that's the nucleus of the church. That's the start of the church. It says this in verse 42. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. They devoted such to the apostles' teaching. They submitted under leadership. They knew the apostles were there. They knew they were called and anointed by God. And they submitted themselves under the apostles. And then they also submitted themselves to the fellowship and the breaking of bread. They committed to each other. They made a commitment. Most of y'all can't commit to one Sunday. These people committed to every day every day committing to each other that's why we want to do church in our homes when we gather when we call each other on the phone how you doing brother that's church we're committed to each other and when they did that it says a great awe came upon them every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles they were devoted they were connected and great things happened many times we ask ourselves why isn't god doing anything in my life are you devoted and are you connected? You're like, well, how can God do anything if you're not even connected to God? Do you expect him to be your fairy godfather and just you know, wave a wand around and do something for you and you do nothing for him? No, he wants it to be connected and involved. That's exactly what we see here. They were connected, involved, and many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. Verse 44, it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, 
And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So the church, the early church, wasn't a church that was all about, you know, go to the church, ask for a free handout, and then go on your way. No, the church was like, if you're connected to the church, if you're connected to a community, if you're connected to people who love you and who are there for you and understand you have a relationship with you, then you should never be without a need. You should never be without a need. The church is here to care for the orphans and the widows. We get that. But more so over, we're here to be a community. And if you're involved and connected, we're going to support that. We're going to grow you. We're, gonna, we're not going to let you go hungry. We're not going to let you do these things. But it's not going to come out of the church's bank account. It's, an, it's, just, it's just a handout. It's going to come out of you saying, hey, brother, I know we, I, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? Hey, brother, let me pray over you. Or you ladies, like, when you gather and you do your little lady thing with coffee and stuff and, like, Starbucks, and you're just like, girl, I am going through this. I need this help. I need this. And it's like, girl, I got you. Let me help you out. Like, that's, that's community. That is church. That is how we, we meet the physical and spiritual needs of people in our community. It says they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all has had need. And verse 46 says, And day by day, attending the temple together and the breaking of bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I said, day by day. We struggle to go week by week. Some of us go month after every other month. Some of us goes years through years. They were gathering day by day together as a church family, as a body. They were connected. There was no segregation. Praising God, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The way we're going to reach the city is not going to be through this mass evangelism thing where we go and we preach the gospel, we ask people to say one prayer, and then that's it. The way we're going to reach the city is when we build relationships with the lost. We build relationships with families and people who don't know Jesus. And we grow them, and we invest in them, and we disciple them. And that's messy, and it hurts, and you're going to get your heart broken, and you're going to get, you're going to get stepped on and trampled upon, and you're going to get used. But Jesus got used even worse, and Jesus got broken and stepped on even worse. But that is the calling of the church, is to be that person, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the broken. Let me ask you, are you living like this? I know that when I asked myself this question about five years ago, the answer was no. I wasn't. Because you know, I was going to a good church and it was pretty awesome. It was awesome all the time. Everything we did was awesome. It was like the Lego song. And I won't sing it for you. But we didn't baptize. We didn't pray that much at all. If it was, it was very rehearsed and during worship. And it was never a, hey, let's gather together and let's pray for the sick. It, we never met each other's needs that much. Any little bit we did is because we were trying to do it ourselves. And, and, and then we didn't live in biblical community very often. And it was when we mirrored this against, when we mirrored the, this church that we were at, when we mirrored it against the first church of the Bible, we realized that we were not actually reflecting what the church is supposed to do. And so this is why we planted Impact City Church. Not to refine or redefine the church into something new, but actually to refine it back to the way that God originally defined it. We weren't sent to change anything. We were sent out to redefine it and to, to refine it back to the way that God originally defined it. 
Now, besides all the biblical community stuff that we can talk to, and we'll have more sermons of that throughout this series, there are some other important aspects that being an owner here at Impact City Church means. There are some things that you should see in your life. The first is this. So we want every owner of the church to be in constant prayer. Every owner of the church to be in constant prayer throughout their day, throughout their week, throughout their month. We as a church body should be constantly praying and connected to the Father throughout our day. I'm not saying you got to be on your hands and knees all day, but throughout your day, you're like, Father, help me get through this. God, I'm, I'm going through this. God, are you there? Do you hear me? I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I'm, I'm, I'm mourning right now. God, comfort me. God, God, pray for these people. Pray for, for the church. Pray for this and that. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. That means don't stop praying. Don't stop. Okay. Don't stop. Journey. Journey. (laughs) And so that is what we should be doing. But as a church, what is it that you should be praying for? Well, it's your church. You should be praying for your church leaders. You should be praying for, for those of us who are in charge of the flock. Those of us who are in charge, who, who put in the long hours, who come in and serve more and do things like that, you should be praying for us. Not out of selfishness, but honestly, I need it. God knows I need it. You should pray for your missional city group. Your group of men, your group of women, your, the ladies in the ladies' Bible study, you ladies pray over each other all the time. I love that Miss Wilbanks is always writing cards and, and, and you know, getting together with the ladies. I love that about them. They got it right. The man, we pray in the taqueria. The waitress looks at us weird, but we're there. With our corn tortillas, we're praying, man. And in, the, in our missional city group, our family's missional city group, we pray. That's fixing the split and going to two. That other group will pray together. And when we do communion, the groups will gather and do communion together throughout the building here. That is con- being connected. You're praying for your missional city group. You say, I know that I, like, I, I, Jorge is feeling sick this morning. I know Jorge is feeling sick. I'm praying for him. I went to their office. I was like, don't let him puke on the stage. Like, we're praying for each other. Sorry, Jorge. We're praying for the newest guests that come in. We're not letting people come in and just walk out and, and be a ghost here. But you're also praying for your ministries. We've got two great ministries here at this church. We've got the bridge ministry. And we've been talking about the bridge and talking about the bridge. And we're, we're, we're getting everything kind of situated with the church, uh, you know, transformation. that we're fixing to start pouring into some things like that. You want to pray for another great mission? Pray for the Andrews family mission. Tammy and Wayne are our family that go over to Kenya every year. They spend about nine months in Kenya. And they sacrifice their, their time. They sacrifice time with their grandson. They sacrifice time with their kids, their children, and they go to Kenya for nine months out of the year, and they serve the poor and the broken over there. They have a coffee shop that they have set up, and they're teaching kids how to play music. They're teaching kids how to work and do jobs and how to actually make a living, how they take kids off of the streets in Mombasa, Kenya, and do something great with their life. That is awesome. They need our prayers greatly. They're fixing to leave on July 8th. We got to be praying for them. July 5th, actually. Paul writes about this type of prayer, this type of relationship in Ephesians 6, 8. When he says that praying at all times in the Spirit and all prayer and with all prayer and supplication. To the end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The word supplication in the Greek is ekklesia. 
Not ecclesia, which means sure, but ecclesia. And it literally translates into a request or a petition. It's a request or a petition. So prayer of supplication is literally asking God for something. You're praying a prayer of supplication. God, give us this. Let me ask you, what are your prayers for this church? How many of you guys are guests, and, and that's okay, but those of you who are a part of this church, are you even praying for this church? Are you even praying for the church to, to, to be the body that is alive and active in the community? Or are you simply coming and going and not participating? What are you praying for in this church? There are so many needs in here in this church. We need children's volunteers greatly. There is a massive void for our children's ministry that needs to be met. Children are number one. You can ask anyone who's volunteers in the children's area. It is not easy when there's not enough people there. Are you praying for people to step up and be selfless and serve? We're praying for a worship leader. As you can tell, we don't have a worship leader. (laughs) But we make do. We make a joyful noise for the Lord. Sort of. No. I'm very proud of the team. We're praying for finances. I don't know if you noticed, but we went from a building that was pretty much free to a building that is massively amount more money for us. And the word mission or ministry literally translates to it tells money. Because if it wasn't a ministry, you wouldn't need money. Ministries don't make money. And so we are constantly in prayer for finances to grow. Finances to people to be actually just obedient to what God has commanded them to do and just tithe. Like, I can't afford to tithe. I say you can't afford not to tithe. We'll talk about that later on throughout this series as well. Are you praying for the bridge? Praying for the bridge. Praying for Matt and Kelly and all the work that they've been trying to do. They're, they're trying to bring jobs for life into this building. They're trying to create a food pantry that not only do we serve the hungry, but we teach them job skills here. And we send out uh, single moms and, 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 and troubled women out into the community and, and send them into uh, places where they can actually work and make a living. This is what we're trying to do here. And you know what that takes? It takes finances. It takes volunteers to come up and tutor kids after school while their parents go take a class or tutor kids so they can do better in school. You're praying for the Andrews Family Mission, Wayne and Tammy, as they travel thousands of miles to serve the Lord. And we sit here comfortably in our air condition and they're out in a tent worshiping God. Are you praying for that family daily? Are you praying for the, the hurting people in this church? People who are going through sickness, people going through cancer, people who are going through all that, families, members who are going through cancer. You're praying for those people. All of these are great needs for prayer of supplication. And as followers of Christ, we need to be praying daily for these things. God listens to those prayers. Another element that makes up a good church owner here at Impact City Church is, is, is the act of baptism. We find it in the book of Acts. The act of baptism. You saw in the church, whenever they repented and believed, the first thing that Peter said was, be baptized. And being baptized back in the day was a huge thing. Because those, most of the people who were getting baptized were, uh, at first there were Gentile people going into Christianity, and then the Jewish people started getting baptized into it too. And it was literally saying, I have changed my life. And back in the day when you would get baptized into Christianity, there was an automatic price that was put on your head. 
it meant something. That's why we take baptism so serious here. That's why when we do baptism, it's on Facebook. It's live on the internet. We want people to know, family members to know, and friends know that I am surrendering my life to Jesus, and I am standing firmly on the foundation that my life is now in the hands of Christ. That's why it's so important to be baptized and to have an understanding of what baptism is. The church itself, as you know it, is not the building. It's a community of believers who live life together and they worship together in the church. And so to be baptized into the the family of Christ is also to be baptized into the family of the church. To go public in that statement of faith. Listen, we cannot be the church that we need to be if we cannot tell the the world about Jesus' presence in our life. You can't be the church if you're not willing to tell the world about what Jesus has done in your life. There is no secret Christianity. There's no secret agent Christians that that are just underground that, that don't tell people. If you're a Christian, you tell people. You boldly profess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he has changed your life, and that you're gonna change in your life. Now, you might not be perfect. You're probably gonna screw up from time to time, but that's okay because you have hope and grace in your life now. The act of baptism is actually an outward profession of an inward, an outward expression of an inward profession and it's changed in your heart. When we get baptized, it's because God has done something in our hearts and he has changed us. And there is no going back from that. You're forever changed. You're forever a child of God. Even though you may wander and you may stray, God has never left your side. I heard it like this one time. Someone told me that, that there was, it's like there's three kinds of Christians. There's the Christians that there are like three kids. And it's kind of like when you go to Disney World and you got three kids, right? Here I've been to Disney World. Any of us want to pay for me and serve to go? We'd love it. So uh, you got three kids. There's that one kid that always stays by your, le- your leg, okay? This is the one that's like strapped to your leg and you got to walk like this all the time. Those are the Christians that come and they get saved. They become a part of God's family and they cling to him greatly. They never want to leave him. They're connected and they're, they're all constantly going there. Then you have the kids that they might wander away for a little bit and then they come back. These are the kids that go off and they go look at rides and stuff and then they come right back. They always see their father in their, their eyesight. They always know he's there, but they're always going to come back to him. All right? And then there's the Christians. Those are the ones that come to the church. They get saved. They get upset with the church. They get angry because the pastor didn't play a certain song. They didn't play Oceans Enough at church. And they go and they leave the church. And then they come back. And then that's it. And then they come back and forth. Or they, they get upset because they got their feelings hurt for something. And then there's the people who get saved. They get baptized. They're excited. They're on fire for God. And then one day, boom, they leave. And they never come back. And the guy who was saying this goes, let me ask you this. He goes, are any of those kids not mine? He says, no. They're all yours. Says, yeah. When you get baptized into the family of God, and you get saved, you surrender your life to Jesus, you will always be a son or a daughter of Christ. It doesn't matter if you're clinging to his leg, if you're running back and forth trying to decide or if you're far away and you have denounced God, you're still a, father, a son or a daughter of Christ. And listen, the beautiful thing 
that he'll go to great lengths to go get you back. We don't serve a God that simply sits there and lets you go off and do something stupid. We serve a God who will chase after you, who will go after you and, and bring you back. As a church, we desire for everyone who walks through those doors to hear the gospel and be baptized, to be saved. And it brings us back full circle to our vision. Do you all remember what our vision was? I'm glad you asked. I'll say it again. That we want to impact Corpus Christi so greatly with the love of Jesus that the city as a whole sees positive change. Now what that changes is salvation in their hearts. That change is salvation. Make no mistake, we desire for every single person who walks through those doors, who walks into our homes, who we meet on the street, that they will one day give their lives and surrender to Jesus. That's our goal. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it. I'm not going to try to package it up in some cool-looking package and give it to you and kind of like deceive you into believing in Jesus. No, I want you to get saved. I want you to go to heaven. Hell, it's too hot for you not to. That is our goal. But ultimately, we want to see a city redeemed for Jesus through the gospel. We want to be rebuilders of walls and restorers of streets. Amen? Let's all stand up and pray. Father God, we thank you so much for uh, being with us here today. God, we give you praise and thanks for just uh, your son, Jesus, and him dying on the cross for us. Lord, thank you so much for all that you have given. But God, we just, we worship you today, and we, we, we come to you with, with open hearts. God, we give you thanks for, for baptism. We give you thanks for community, that we don't have to do life alone. But there was, there was hope for the, the sinner. There was hope for, for those of us who were lost. And I don't know if your relationship with Christ is, I don't know what that's like. But maybe, maybe your relationship with Christ is broken. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with Christ. Maybe that's something that you, you were sitting there and you were thinking, man, that doesn't even sound like church to me. This sounds different. Maybe that's the type of community that, you, that you're being connected and drawn to. Will you just repent today and you're right where you're at with your eyes closed, your head bowed, will you just be praying and just repent? It's not about a prayer. It's about a decision. It's about something that you're committed to. Would you just make that decision today? Would you just surrender to Christ today? Would you just surrender? You say, admit that you are, you're a sinner in need, that you are someone who has, that you need Jesus. Or maybe you're one of the three children of God. Maybe you're good. Maybe you're right there by God's leg. Maybe you're right there connected to the Lord and you're good. I mean, you just praise Him for, for, for always being there for you. I mean, you praise Him for that. But maybe you're the one that, that leaves and comes back. Will you just, will you just pray that God will just, 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 can, just welcome you back? Will you just know that God will welcome you back with arms wide open like the prodigal son? Will you come rushing back to Him? Or maybe you're like the son or daughter of Christ who has strayed away you might have just said, the heck with the church, and just, I'm, I'm turning my back. But maybe today you heard something different about the church, and you said, I want to know what that's about. I want to I know this. And that is you here today. And you know that God is, in this moment, in this moment, right now, God has pursued you through this message.
He has pursued you just like he pursued the lost sheep and he left the other 99 and he went after you here today. If that is you here today, run back to him with arms wide open. God, we pray so, so much for this church that you would continue to do a great work in this church, that you would continue to make this church a dangerous church, a church that is, uh, a, 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 just a, a church that is a, 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 an opposition to the enemy. Lord, I pray that you would challenge this church, challenge us to be better Christians than what we are, challenge us to be selfless, God, Challenge us to, to, to be selfless in, in our giving, selfless in our serving, selfless in our, our tithes and in our time and everything that we give, selfless of our bodies. Lord, it's not about a house or a car. It's not about our family's needs. It's about your needs and how we can serve you and how you can provide through that for our needs. Make us a church that is willing to die for you in whatever way that that comes across our plate whether it is sacrificial death of our goals and our life, whether it's physical death for those who are going overseas, who are in the midst of really bad places. God, we thank you. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come here. That your Holy Spirit will surround us, anoint us. And we worship you here today. Let's worship. All God's people said, Amen.